guys, I understand it. Rectangle of mediocrity. Wow, Craig, that was some outstanding stuff. How does it tie in? You sound like a real nerd. I'm grooving. Now I'm going off on a rant. Our guests are the meat to our stale bread. All right, it is another edition of the Channel Partners podcast, Coffee with Craig and Kevin. I am executive editor of Channel Partners and Channel Futures, Craig Galbraith. Joining me as always, the man with a visitor's guide stamped on his head at Channel Partners Evolution, our director of business development, Mr. Kevin Morris. Kevin, how are you? <laughs> Craig, another brilliant intro from you. Uh, I don't know if I'll have a visitor's guide stamped on my head, but I'll definitely be available to answer any questions. Of course, D.C. is my current hometown, so if you want some local tips and tricks, uh, you can definitely come to me for that. Speaking of the D.C. event, I can't believe, Craig, we are just two weeks away. I know it is exciting, Kevin, and you know, you're just so darn approachable. That's why so many people come up and ask you questions. <laughs> yeah, it's probably just because my face looks stupid all the time. <laughs> they recognize you. That's right, sure. that's right, with my big dumb glasses. <laughs> uh, you know, before we go any further, i got to ask you, what is this song? Hmm, I figured you'd know this one, Craig. Really? I thought we'd been over my alternative and rock musical affliction. How would I know this? Well, Craig... This band is Arizona. Oh. Don't you live there? Uh, I do, I do. Also, it applies to me because this song is called Electric Touch, the Midnight Kids remix. Oh, well, first let me tell you, just because I live in Arizona, I, I, it's not like I sit around drinking Arizona tea all day long either. <laughs> I always pictured you with an Arizona iced tea can in your hand. Ah, uh, yes, and your channel partner's official midnight kid at these events, you might say. Bacardi and Cola, do it, do it. Um, no comment, Craig? Uh, we're broadcasting live to the masses here, buddy. My boss might hear this. <clears throat> For the record, I'm in bed by 9 p.m. at all our events. In bed by 9? So you're actually going to bed earlier than you're supposed to. We have a bunch of channel partner sponsored events you're supposed to be at around that time. Ah, oh, Craig, let's not pile on here and make me look even worse. Just let, let's get on with it, bud. <laughs> All right, speaking of evolution, I have been hearing a lot about the MSP501ers registering lately. That's right, Craig. Uh, they are definitely signing up for the show. Evolution is trending surprisingly strong in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um... What in Digi's name are you talking about, sir? Obviously, I'm talking about all the MSPs registering from within Little Rock's 501 area code sector. Duh! Yeah, no, Kevin. I, we've been over this several times. The MSP 501 is the undisputed leading global ranking of the top MSPs from around the globe. Some might be based in Little Rock, but it honestly has absolutely nothing to do with the Little Rock area code. We're all now a little dumber for having heard your previous statement. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Well, let's just pretend that didn't happen and maybe turn over a new leaf here by welcoming our first guest who is absolutely crushing it with MSPs with a solution that our audience might not affiliate as often being sold by MSPs. Spoiler alert, SD win. Let's do it. Please allow me to welcome in Jeff Burchett. Jeff is the co-founder and VP of sales for Big Leaf Networks. Jeff, how are we doing today? 
I'm good, guys. Appreciate the time and excited to sit and chat. Glad to have you. So, Jeff, for those in our audience who might not be too familiar with Big Leaf, could you please provide us with a high-level overview of the company and what led you to co-found Big Leaf back in 2012? Yeah, so we are amongst a very crowded pool of players, uh, an SD-WAN services provider. Uh, but we have a, uh, what I think to be a fairly unique focus. Uh, we focus very specifically on what we call cloud-first or site-to-cloud networking. And that focus really came out of our founding in, in 2012. Uh, and first off, credit where credit is due. I am the co-founder and responsible for revenue, but uh, I'm not the vision behind Big Leaf. That credit goes to my co-founder, Joel. be honest, uh, I was fortunate to be in Joel's orbit at the time that he decided to take on this endeavor and, and pulled me in along the way. In 2012, Joel and I have actually been working together since 2006, but around the 2012 timeline when Big Leap was launched, uh, Joel and I were on the leadership team of a regional ISP up here in the Pacific Northwest. And we were dealing you know, firsthand with SMB and mid-market customers that were starting to move key applications into SaaS and cloud environments and looking for more robust internet infrastructure as part of that. And the ISP that we were part of was delivering internet via microwave. Microwave told a beautiful uh, redundancy and resiliency story, but we struggled time and again with the effective integration of multiple internet providers to meet the unique needs of, of cloud and SaaS, not just basic failover like where most of, of the market sat today. Along the way from, from that initial genesis and, and kind of getting Big Leaf up off the ground, we had the opportunity to cross paths with a lot of great people, investors, partners, customers, team members, supporters in general. And it was that collaboration of, of everybody coming together that, that really got Big Leaf to, to where it is today as a leader in this cloud-first networking space. From a, a kickoff standpoint, I think one thing notable relative to this audience, you know, we kind of consider Channel Partners uh, Expo in 2015 in Vegas as our coming out party. That was the, the first time that we showed up at a channel show. We knew that we were going to be a channel-driven sales organization from the beginning. We knew that was going to be the best audience for us to, to make an impact and started there. And, and every year we go back, I kind of look at that as a temperature check on where the business is relative to where it was the year before and acknowledging that back in 2015, it was literally just Joel and I in a 10 by 10 uh, in the back of the Expo Hall. It's pretty impressive to see where we've made it to today. Awesome stuff, Jeff. And I'm glad you brought up not only the Channel Partners Conference and Expo, thanks for that plug, but uh, giving credit where credit is due, always a good idea. I'm sort of the vision behind this podcast, but I also make it happen. And Kevin's sort of just along for the ride. So <laughs> everything well, Craig Kevin just said. Along really well. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Everything Craig just said is true, by the way. So, you know, I can't, I can't argue with that. Oh, it's no fun if you don't have a comeback. Come on now. You'd be thinking of one. I know you will. Well, it's we all knew this podcast was my idea. So that's okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, hey, Jeff, I wanted to talk more about SD-WAN. Uh, you know, it's such a big term now in the industry, and particularly in the channel, it's one of the hottest topics on our website. I wanted to ask you specifically about your cloud-first SD-WAN. You touched on it a little bit, but what is it that maybe separates you from your many competitors in the space? It is definitely a crowded space right now. Uh, it's one of the biggest challenges we have as a company is, frankly, it's not in the delivery of our service, our support and, and operations team do a phenomenal job in the delivery. It's, it really comes down to the differentiation and helping partners understand where we fit uniquely relative to the rest of the market. And to tell that story, I think we do need to go back to the founding and the history of Big Leaf. We didn't set out to be an SD-WAN provider. And we didn't see this thing, you know, taking off and saying, oh, we want to be in the middle of that. 
Rather, we got started with a very specific problem in mind that we wanted to address. And that problem was really coming out of the challenge we saw with, with the legacy business that we were a part of. And it was the unique needs of SaaS and cloud and UCAS applications when you're accessing them over public internet. You know, if you think about life before the cloud, all of those applications lived on infrastructure in your network. And it was really about your LAN to connect to your phone system or to your ERP or to your CRM or, or even your, your email server. Email may be coming in from the outside, but the server itself was inside your LAN. And as those applications moved out of the LAN and into these SaaS and cloud environments, there needed to be a pivot in networking. And that's what we focused on, on addressing right out of the gate. And interestingly enough, the customers that were feeling that pain the most initially were SMB and mid-market customers. And that's really where we got our start. I think you, you contrast that to the rest of, of the SD-WAN market and where a lot of the early momentum was, was not in SaaS and cloud and UCAS conversations. It was in the MPLS alternative conversations, right? It was a number of different companies trying to meet the unique needs of enterprises looking for an alternative to MPLS. And as they matured, as they got bigger, they started to incorporate a cloud story, but that cloud story was really focused on the cloud needs of the enterprise, which is usually defined more along the lines of infrastructure as a service, things like Azure and AWS. And we've been a little contrary. We've been sitting off to the side saying, hey, we do a great job with AWS and Azure, but really where we excel is with applications that you can't take your own infrastructure into, that you can't put a physical box or a virtualized router, you know, SaaS applications. Yes, getting to AWS or Azure is important, but making Microsoft Teams work is equally important, as well as getting to Salesforce and to NetSuite and to any number of SaaS applications that have a different need uh, and, and unique challenges to accessing them over public internet. And that's where we focus. And a byproduct of that focus has us right smack dab in the middle of, of SMB and mid-market customers with a nice growth into enterprise and seeing more of those customers come in. But really, it starts out with, with where we came at right out of the gate of, of those SaaS and cloud applications for SMB and mid-market customers, which I think is a little contrarian compared to the marketing you see from other SD-WAN providers and service providers in the market today. Jeff, uh, great stuff there. I do have to tell you, you know, using Microsoft Teams and then using Salesforce to build my fake funnel so I can just do this podcast <laughs> on the side all the time. Um, you know, I, I come to work and just expect them to work. Uh, you don't really think about what goes on behind that and, and the importance of being able to connect because I do notice when something's down, you know, I get very frustrated. So it is important to have that redundancy and to be able to connect. So excellent yeah. point there. I think it grows even a little bit even beyond the, the redundancy. If you think of the IT directors or in the case of, of managed service providers that are supporting those SMB and mid-market customers, 100%, not just uptime, but performance is the minimum expectation on these individuals. They are expected to make these things work the way they were intended, regardless of what's happening on the internet at any given moment. And that's not a small task. Your community of partners understand this problem as much as anybody. The internet can be an ugly place to play sometimes, especially when you're using performance sensitive applications like Teams or at Salesforce. We've all fought this fight before, right? Where you're trying to mm -hmm. update your opportunity and the screen takes her to refresh. And the only thing you want to do as a sales rep is call that next customer, but you got to get this thing done first. And anything short of perfection isn't acceptable. That's the challenge that, that we want to address for 
our agent partners, for our MSP partners, and for the the underlying users that they're both supporting. So true, so true. There's nothing worse than getting held up on administrative work as a salesperson, at least at least for me. Just don't yeah. tell my boss I said this. Is this going out live? Uh, <laughs> but hey, getting back to it, you know, Big Leaf recently made a huge move in coffee with Craig and Kevin Land because we love channel <laughs> convergence and launching a global MSP partner program. What was the initial thought process behind making this launch? And then secondly, how have things progressed in collaborating with MSPs on a technology traditionally, I'd say, sold by agents more familiar with the communication space? Great question, and an important part of, of really my day-to-day -day life right now in, in making sure that, that this launch goes off as successfully as it can because we see so much potential upside. Uh, I think first off, one point of, of clarification for our intent as a business with this launch. This is an additive focus. This isn't an alternative focus. This isn't us pivoting away from our agent partners. Uh, our agent partners are how we got here today. They've been critical to our success. That's where we, we started. That's what drove us to where we are today. And we plan on recruiting and training and enabling and thriving with more agents moving forward than we ever have before. However, we see an additional opportunity in the form of MSPs. I mean, if you look at the customers that we excel with, these SMB and mid-market customers, oftentimes, whether we were working with an MSP or not, this end customer is working with an MSP. And the same convergence that you guys see amongst the, the two channels, we see as well. And we don't want to be a follower in that convergence. We want to be a leader in, in that convergence. And we want to be a means where everybody can come together to, to meet the needs of, of those customers at the end of the day. You talk about why did we do it? Well, frankly, I'm embarrassed to say that it was as obvious as it was, you know, but it, it kind of was. <laughs> we looked at our customer base. We looked at, at the number of customers that we were dealing with day in and day out and how many of them were working with MSPs. And there was perfect alignment there. You look at what is an MSP target as a customer, right? Well, it's usually SMB and mid-market customers. It's customers that have some type of a, a technical challenge that they're looking for alternative or outsourced support to. And for a lot of businesses today, that challenge is this digital transformation. It's not running a static network that's been the same way for 10 years. It's dealing with all the opportunity and associated challenge from that opportunity of, of migrating into SaaS and UCAS and cloud environments. And we believe that we are very uniquely poised to meet those needs. The interesting thing with that, though, is, is through these efforts, the feedback from MSPs has been both awesome, but also a little bit surprising. Because as we engage with more and more MSPs, there's been an, a, a fairly interesting and consistent theme when it comes to SD-WAN. And that is that when you talk to these individuals, they're very familiar with SD-WAN but they don't see SD-WAN as applicable to them. They see SD-WAN as this MPLS alternative that's designed for the unique needs of the Fortune 500 or the enterprise customer and not applicable to their SMB and mid-market customers because those aren't the problems that they're, they're dealing with day in and day out. And I can't blame them for having that perception. If you look at a majority of the marketing in the SD-WAN space, that's what people are saying. Right, it's always highlighting the next enterprise customer. It's always about this MPLS story or these amazing things in AWS or Azure. It's not talking about the down the road problems that a, a 50 person uh, company has when moving to NetSuite or leveraging Salesforce or using the, the latest and greatest UCAS provider or desktop as a service provider. But those are the issues that MSPs deal with day in and day out. So when we get the opportunity to sit and chat with them and say, hey, 
SD-WAN is bigger than MPLS alternative. It's not just limited to enterprise customers. We're uniquely built for you and your needs. They're very receptive to that. They get excited when we brag about having single-site customers, not acting like we're embarrassed of having single-site customers. Because for a lot of them, those are the customers they deal with day in and day out. So much to consider when we're talking about the digital transformation, Jeff. So thank you for that. I uh, wanted to shift gears, talk about Channel Partners Evolution. You guys will be there in force. It's uh, now less than two weeks away. Uh, what can MSPs and all partner types, for that matter, expect to see if they were to drop by booth 334? That's the Big Leaf booth there in the Expo Hall. Yeah, I think what you're going to see from us, both uh, the show, I, I kind of consider this show as a launching point for the future of, of our marketing and our messaging and our enablement efforts with our partners are challenging the perception of SD-WAN and expanding the applicability of it. Again, SD-WAN should not be limited to Fortune 500 customers looking for an alternative to MPLS. SD-WAN should be the foundation of your networking when it comes to that digital transformation. We're moving away from the concept of site-to-site -site networking and faster and faster and closer and closer to this concept of site-to-cloud networking. And both our MSP partners and our agent partners should view SD-WAN as something that they can talk to every one of their customers about because every one of their customers are in the middle of this transformation. You know, we recently saw an interesting SaaS trends report that showed that this numbers blew my mind when I read them, that the average business in the United States of America today across all market segments is spending nearly $350,000 a year on SaaS, and that number grew by 78% from 2017 to 2018. That means that if SD-WAN and Big Leaf are a critical component to a SaaS implementation and uniquely built for that, then every one of our partners should be able to talk to every one of their customers about Big Leaf and about SD-WAN because it should be critical in everything that they're doing. And our focus at the booth and our focus moving forward is, is empowering our customer or our partners to do that, to show them what this means, to provide them with the tools to do it and support them along the way. Jeff, again, great stuff there. Uh, talking to partners about being involved in a rapidly growing market is always a good thing. All types of SaaS seem to be growing lately because Craig's SaaS on this podcast has definitely increased over the years. <laughs> That's for sure. You got that one right, finally. <laughs> Thanks. Don't patronize me, buddy. But uh, <laughs> Jeff, in all seriousness, just want to say uh, excellent interview. Thank you so much for your support of Channel Partners, and we look forward to seeing Big Leaf for the show. And, and thank you for joining us here on this podcast. Look forward to seeing you guys there and, and all the attendees. It's going to be a great time in D.C. Phenomenal stuff from Jeff there. Uh, so awesome to learn how Big Leaf has found a way to crush it with both traditional agents and MSPs. Truly channel convergence at work. Indeed, Kevin. And speaking of convergence, we're going to have a session at Evolution featuring a convergence debate. This should be a hot one. Are you ready to hear about it? Tell us all about it, big guy. Yeah, so it's going to be on the Channel Futures Theater in the expo hall and we're going to get some folks there who will be discussing how MSPs are selling traditional telecom services and how telecom agents are selling some managed services. You know, is it happening a lot? That's what we've been talking about over the course of the past couple of years, but we'll have some naysayers on stage who say convergence really isn't happening that much, and it'll be a really good debate as far as the direction of the channel. We're going to have Andrew Pryfogel on stage. You remember him from Intellisys. He's just moved on to PAX 8, where he's actually charged with bringing these two sides of the channel together. Also have Rob Ray from Datto there, uh, Michael Bremer, an outspoken partner with TelecomQuotes.com. Uh, this is going to be a session not to be missed. Craig, you said it. This is a can't-miss sesh, as we say in the biz. Faux show.
Speaking of can't miss, my favorite baseball team can't seem to miss right now, buddy. Uh, just so all of our listeners know, nobody really says sesh. Oh, well, well, I just did. Baseball, huh? Well, it sounds like it's time for one of those... Personal deep dive! That's right, Craig. We're not just talking the cloud. I'm on cloud nine right now with the way my New York amazing Mets are playing ball right now. From second to last in the National League, all the way up to a game and a half out of the wild card race let me tell you it's inspiring because let's say you're a partner out there maybe you're a vendor and you're having a a tough year not a bad year but maybe a tough year so far well just like the mets there's always time to turn it around craig and you know how you can do that by coming to channel partners evolution we're going to educate you we're going to help you network we're going to introduce you to the top channel players in the industry you got to be in dc two weeks from now Go on the website, channelpartnersevolution.com, and be like the Mets. Let's turn it all around, baby. That's awesome, Kevin. And can we say that was another one of Kevin's whimsical industry metaphors? <laughs> yes, I guess that it was. Hey, I noticed you avoided the preseason football talk. Is that because of the way I outright owned you and 11 other and former colleagues in our fantasy football work league last season? <laughs> I should have known you'd bring that up on this personal deep dive, Craig. You definitely came on strong, much like the Mets, at the end of the season there, whereas my little Lebowskis dominated regular season play. Uh, I was probably 200 points ahead of the second place total points person, if that makes sense. But then in the playoffs, Todd Gurley had a bum knee and the Rams didn't tell anybody, and I just could not get through that. Uh, so I blame Todd Gurley and the Rams. Oh, boo-hoo. Let me play a sad song for you on the world's smallest violin. But I do want to say you're a monster among men, Craig. Your football knowledge is second to none, and <laughs> I just can't stop talking about how great you are. Well, you had a great squad last year, too. It just didn't work out for you at the end. Yeah, that's, that's very kind, although I, I feel like you're laying the sarcasm on pretty thick there. Yeah, they probably am. Speaking of that, my Monster Among Men squad plans to win the championship again this year. We just had our fantasy football draft here this past weekend. It was a good time. It definitely was a good time, Craig. Always good to be online with all you fellas and just, you know, get ready and once again have the best draft out of all of you. Probably to blow it in the playoffs again, though. (laughs) All right, Kevin, speaking of champions, our own channel champion and editorial giant, T.C. Doyle recently got some insight into the managed services and security markets by talking with Josh Wilhelm, the new president of Right Hand Technology Group. Wilhelm recently invested in Right Hand Technology, an MSP and IT services firm that specializes in vertical markets. T.C., take it away. Online with us is Josh Wilhelm. He is the president of Right Hand Technology Group. Make that the new president. Josh, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. For the readers that may not have seen the headlines, you've just uh, made an investment into the company and you've taken the job as president. You're coming out of Plus Technology. You're in the Pittsburgh area. Tell us a little bit about what was the impetus behind the move and how you and the CEO over there, Jason Vanzen, are going to be working together. Yeah, as you said, I was uh, with Plus Consulting for the past 10 years. And, um, you know, we did a lot of large scale consulting exercises and projects where we would do IT strategy for mid to enterprise level companies and um, then do projects that spun out of that strategy. And uh, when I left Plus Consulting, one of the things that I realized is going out and going after project after project, 
but always having to hunt those projects makes it a lot more hard to predict exactly where the organization's going and hard to build the business based on no reoccurring revenue. So I had some past in a managed service company and I've, I've kind of kept my eye on how much they've grown and uh, had a long-term relationship with uh, Jason Vanzen and I sat down to talk to him just about how business was going and he told me a bit about his business and told me that they'd be very interested in working together. So from there, we started talking about how something like that might work. Yeah, very good. Now, it's an oversimplification to say that you've gone from hunting to farming, but there's a little element of truth in that, isn't there? There's a little element of truth in that, but, uh, you know, the real, I think, strength I bring to the organization is that I can bring new clients into the organization through some of the strong partnerships I've created over the last probably 20, 25 years, as well as the contacts and the networking group that I have out there. Uh, the idea of farming to me is something that we spend a lot of time talking about. Uh, we, once you have an organization under a contract and you become their trusted advisor, we have other folks within the organization that will do that account management and make sure that the client is successful out there. All right. So we'll call it farming with a little gun over the shoulder. I thought in the press release that uh, Jason was just quite very honest about your new role. He says, quote, as engineers, we are great at delivery and building a better mousetrap. We sometimes let up on client acquisition. I thought that was very candid. So talk a little bit about how you approach the market, how you go out and find new clients. What are some of the best practices that you've learned and uh, are able to apply over the years that maybe others in Jason's position that are more technologically focused haven't been able to uh, pursue? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, over the years, I've come to understand that it's not one specific thing. It's uh, multiple pillars in, in new client acquisition. And, you know, you've got your typical marketing and brand recognition. But um, what I've found out is being in as many networking groups as possible, creating thought leadership groups. I've hosted for probably the last eight years, a group called the Greater Pittsburgh IT Managers Group, where you're bringing peer groups together and talking about common issues and projects and things that they need to do in order to be successful. And rather than having sales folks tell them which products work the best or which services work the best, they can uh, trade that information back and forth uh, between each other. So building trust through groups like that and building trust through uh, networking groups and different groups that get IT managers, directors, and CIOs together uh, has been very helpful in building trust out there and uh, bring a lot of business in that way. And uh, that absolutely helps get me a lot of referrals. And I encourage our sales folks to continue to ask for those referrals and network with the different folks that are out there that would consume our type of business. Yeah. Let's take a second while we're talking on sales. As someone who's in a business develop a very high level business development and sales capacity, how has it changed over the last few years? What different techniques, different technologies have come to fore? How do you see it evolving? What customers want differently than maybe they wanted before? Yeah, that's a great question. I think things have evolved quite a bit. Uh, it's, it's funny, though. I, I have salespeople that come in and say that uh, cold calling is dead, don't need to do it. It doesn't work. I hear this all the time. I've had large sales teams work for me. Right, right. And I can tell you it's absolutely still one of their pillars for new client acquisition. They have to be on that phone. The, the best salesperson I ever had came in and within a year was outselling folks that I had for eight years 
because he just put the time in on each and every one of those pillars, like cold calling. But there's a lot of other techniques, obviously, online these days that we've seen that are quite successful in some of the predictive marketing. So there are technologies out there today that can uh, see surges in folks uh, looking at certain types of technology so that we can target and pinpoint those folks rather than the old, you know, make a hundred thousand calls and send out, you know, a hundred thousand emails and sit there and uh, just hope that something sticks on one of them. We've found that there are a lot of ways nowadays to see folks that are in the buying cycle and hone in on those types of folks. And then you can do a lot of the digital marketing and the other techniques that are available today. Let's talk about security a little bit and selling security. Um, Both Plus and Right Hand obviously have security businesses, different though they may be. Selling on fear today just isn't working. So what is working today? How are you getting to those mid-sized enterprises that don't really understand security, don't understand their vulnerabilities, and don't think they're going to be a target of cyber thieves? Yeah, that's a great question. And to be honest, there's a lot of things uh, that are helping us out there in the industry without even having to uh, put the fear into those prospects and clients. We get organizations on a regular basis, even the small and mid-sized companies today, that are getting different security audits pushed down to them through the companies that they're trying to do business with. So we've seen a a large uptick in organizations that are doing vendor security audits to different organizations, to all their suppliers. And then those folks, when they get these security audits, they just don't have the ability to even understand what the audit's all about, let alone be able to respond and make sure that they have a proactive solution in order to um, comply with what these organizations are asking for. And the other side is compliance in general, Uh, whether it's HIPAA, whether it's DFARS, you know, any of these other type of PCI regulatory areas are causing these organizations, even smaller and midsize, to go out and look for company that can help them get through these types of audits and make sure that they are secure. And then there are a lot of business owners and management that are seeing a lot of the news stories and they're more receptive to those calls than they might have been in the past. Yeah. Uh, We do a lot of programs as well where we're sending email campaigns out and trying to educate folks um, via email campaigns, but also through educational type of seminars to help folks understand why it's important to have a strong cybersecurity program in place. You guys are based in Pittsburgh, obviously world-class center for manufacturing, financial services, healthcare, et cetera, education also. What is one of your primary uh, vertical markets that you guys target? Manufacturing. Um, in, in the greater Pittsburgh area and the Midwest, we have a lot of manufacturing organizations out there that are doing quite well these days. So we just have a strong root in the manufacturing side of things. So we are targeting quite a bit of the manufacturing industry. We have a lot of financial service customers as well, but I'd say manufacturing has probably been our biggest uh, industry vertical. When pressed, uh, what do you and Jason say? What sets your company apart? How are you guys different? We're different in the fact that we can bring the maturity enterprise IT down to the SMB. We've dealt with a lot of organizations that had break-fix organizations or even managed services companies work with them, but they weren't really practicing mature IT, you know, proper change management, putting governance around the systems that they put in. So when we go out and we talk to an organization, my background is mid to enterprise. I've worked with organizations that, you know, are 
Fortune 50 and really have it together from an IT standpoint. And Jason has that same background. So we understand the importance of IT governance, the importance of uh, proper change management, the way that you manage technology in a mature manner is much more predictable than how a lot of other organizations handle IT. Fair enough. Let's pull the lens back a little bit. Talk about the maturity of the marketplace. We see a lot of organizations in your shoes that are making acquisitions or selling out to other companies. Do you guys have any interest in doing any of that? Yeah, we absolutely plan on growing uh, organically as well as through acquisitions. Uh, Jason, prior to me joining the organization, has done an acquisition in the past that worked out very well for him. We're looking for other smaller organizations that maybe are tired of trying to handle the business side and the business development side that we may be able to acquire and bring into our organization and bring their customer base on to provide our level of services for them. Uh, we're particularly looking in the Tampa and Florida marketplace as well. Uh, we believe there's some opportunity uh, in the Tampa area. Do you guys have a footprint there today? We have a couple customers there today, but we don't have feet on the ground. I'm actually a Florida resident myself, so I spend uh, the majority of the year in the Tampa area. So obviously that makes it a, a nice thing for me as far as developing business down that way. That's Josh Wilhelm. He's the new president at Right Hand Technology Group. Josh, can't thank you enough for the time. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. All right there, Kevin. Great to have TC on and getting some insight from the partner community, notably the MSPs. We're wrapping up here, Kev. What you got? Well, speaking of wraps, I I have a burrito in my hand. But uh, other than that, I just want to remind everyone that it's not too late to register and or sponsor Channel Partners Evolution. We definitely want to see you in D.C. Uh, If you bump into Craig or myself, say hello. Uh, We'd be more than happy to talk to you and, and learn about all the great things you're doing in the channel. Remember, go to Kevin for all of your questions. And I mean... All of them. (laughs) One could say that I am a Channel Partners Evolution guru, to use a word we like to use. Guru. Wow. Need to know uh, where the bathroom is? Uh, Contact Kevin. (laughs) That's probably about the only thing I'll be good for. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. I want to remind you, if you want to check out the archive of Coffee with Craig and Kevin, all 64 episodes. Wow, my friend. That's a lot. That is a lot. Go to Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud, type Channel Partners Online into the search bar. You can also find us on the flagship, channelpartnersonline.com. We'll catch you next time for our pre-evolution edition. See you around the quad.